Hello everybody and welcome to another reading of the excellent Esther Villar's Manipulated Man. And uh, I'll just uh, come out in the van and uh, to, to uh, get some coffee, uh, which I've got, and um, have a bit of space. Uh, I've been in a uh, very difficult uh, being uh, locked down, as they so-called so lockdown. Um, and um, so, you know, I've been stuck indoors, um, probably... Uh, I think my mental health has suffered quite a bit because um, as men we know we are very deep thinkers uh, which is probably a bit of a, uh, a handicap in some ways um, because um, we do uh, think deeply um, which uh, is uh, necessary um, but uh, also can cause great um, you know, difficulty. Um, so, yeah, so I've just been to the uh, coffee shop and uh, served by uh, two sort of females, I suppose you could call them, but they don't have any sort of female qualities about them apart from their shape, um, their attitude is very poor. You know, I don't really need to talk to them, I can just tell just by looking at them. Um, you know, the hairstyles, the makeup, and the one that served me was very badly tattooed and um, sort of a, I don't know what they call them, earrings, you know, that sort of African tribesmen would wear, you know, but not. Uh, that extreme but uh, you know what I mean um so I uh you know very upsetting and very disappointing uh, that in my lifetime I would uh you know witness all of this um of course I wouldn't really have uh, known any different if I hadn't found um you know uh if I hadn't uh you know, had the fortitude to get a cochlear implant um, and be able to uh, use, basically, uh, use YouTube to practice to hear. And, of course, then uh, I was had a lot of time on my own at home. And um, so I stumbled upon the red pill, but, uh, you know, it all seems so very obvious to me now. Um, very, very late uh, to be able to find out this stuff. So I really do um, do this. I do this to try to get guys to wake up as early as possible. Um, and the main um, thrust, uh, I would say, for guys listening to this is to um, not... Uh, get married and not to consider having children. Now, that might seem very severe. Well, it is very severe. Um, I think uh, it's a very severe thing to say to a man, don't consider having children. Um, 
Now, it's not all bad. That's the thing I would like to say. It's not all bad. Um, you know, there are phases in having children uh, that uh, are quite enjoyable indeed. Uh, you know, um, playing with children and, uh, you know, the toddler stage, I think, probably... Um, taking them to school and all this sort of thing is pretty pleasurable on the whole. Um, but um, the problem is, uh, you know, that the downsides are very, very severe, which um, I think will mean that those uh, things that were enjoyed uh, really don't count for much when you consider well I can honestly say um, that having children completely ruins everything I had or knew um, you know you can't keep anything nice you can't keep anything away for the kids that they they have a, a way of um, getting hold of it and if it can be fit, if it can be broken, they will break it. They'll just find a way to break it. Uh, and then, of course, you can't. Um, you're sort of con totally controlled um, financially. And really, it's it's fairly suicidal um, to be controlled. Suicidal to be controlled financially. Um, you know, and to. Uh, in these very difficult times, and it's always difficult to earn money, but uh, to earn money is a very difficult thing, indeed. And so to have to um, give most of it away to, to, you know, your children and your wife, or, you know, not actually uh, take the benefit from your hard graft, um, is a very high price to pay. Um, the rewards are you know, are there, but they are slim, quite slim. Um, and uh, the downsides are very severe as well. Um, you know, I think the, the reality is if, you, you know, you may be deeply in love with a girl, but, you know, after marriage, that all fizzles away. Um, you're left with the harsh reality of life and bringing children up. Uh, very little time for any, uh, well, there's no time for romance or anything. And um, eventually uh, the will is gone and there's very little will to want to actually do anything, um, you know, with your partner of enjoyment. Um, And now to some of you, I, I know they'll be rolling their eyes thinking, oh, we're, we're already MGTOW and so we don't need to hear this, but I think it does uh, serve a purpose to hear the um, experiences of a 30-year-old, 30-year married, not 30-year-old, but 30-year married man and the harsh realities um, which I did uh, a, a blog earlier on. Um, in this, uh, you should see uh, see that the harsh realities of marriage, of my marriage, um, and um, so the uh, 
next chapter I shall stop rabbiting on and um, it's just nice to uh, you know uh, get it off my chest uh, to to uh, get the you know the the difficulties of my chest <laughs> and um, so I shall start this next chapter now uh, this one is called the business world as a hunting ground there are many women who take their place in the working world of today secretaries and shop assistants factory workers and stewardesses not to mention those countless hearty young women who populate the colleges and universities in ever-increasing numbers and as we know as MGTOW knowledge um, college and universities basically you know the university specifically because they sleep away from home um, really is a disaster for girls because they are very promiscuous at that age don't kid yourselves they have a higher sex drive and they're very promiscuous and so the uh, cock carousel is ridden and actually I do believe that university is another way for a female to have a choice of um, potential um, mates to um, try to uh, meet the most masculine and dominant man or boy uh, you know young man that she can and um, so this is all part and parcel of the problem that the um, these girls they have already have quite high body counts and at university um, they like to um, have several partners for you know temporary partners they like to um, ride the carousel and this I think goes back to ancient times where the females um, and males would meet in large numbers um, and I think that the fact that uh, when humans meet in large numbers pretty much that is a chance for the females to scan the environment to find the best male that she can and that's what I think they did in pagan times and they did that uh, the builders of Stonehenge uh, you know that could have been the main purpose of Stonehenge um, a place for uh, large meetings to take place and for um, females to meet the uh, the head males or the chief males of a group and try to breed with those males and we see that also in um, music festivals with large gatherings uh, I think uh, you know the music festivals are really a mating festival Okay, so K 
carrying on. Um, sorry, I'm just uh, getting back to where I was. Okay. Um, one might even get the impression that women's nature had undergone a radical change in the last 20 years. Bear in mind this was written in 1970-odd. Today's young women appear to be less unfair than their mothers. They seem to have decided, perhaps, out of pity for their victims, not to exploit men anymore, but, in, but to become, in truth, their partners. This I've highlighted. The impression is deceptive. The only truly important act in any woman's life is the selection of the right partner. In any other choice, she can afford to make a mistake. Consequently, she will look for a man where he works or studies and where she can best observe and judge the necessary masculine qualities she values. Office, <coughs> colleges and universities are to her nothing but gigantic marriage markets. And uh, the promiscuousness uh, is displayed at these places. Um, the particular field chosen by any young woman as a hunting ground will depend to a large extent on the le level of income of the man who has previously been her slave, in other words, her father. The daughters of men in the upper income brackets will choose colleges or universities. These offer the best chances of capturing a man who will earn enough to maintain the standards she has already acquired. Besides, a period of study for form's sake is much more convenient than a temporary employment. Girls from we le less well-off homes will have to go into factories, shops, offices or hospitals for a time. but again with the same purpose in mind. None of them intends to stay in these jobs for long. They will, only, they will continue only until marriage or in cases of hardship till pregnancy. This offers women one important advantage. Any woman who marries nowadays has given up her studies or her job for the sake of the man of her choice and sacrifices inverted commas of this nature create obligations therefore when women work and study it merely serves to falsify statistics and furthermore to enslave men more hopelessly than ever because education and the prof professions mean something very different 
when applied to women as opposed to men. When a man works, it is a matter of life and death. And as a rule, the first years of his life are decisive. Any man of 25 who is not well on his way up the ladder can be considered, to all intents and purposes, a hopeless case. At this stage, all his faculties are being developed, and the fight with his competitors is a fight to the death. Behind a mask of business and friendship, he is constantly on the watch for any sign of superiority in one of his associates, and he will note his appearance with anxiety. If this same associate shows signs of weakness or indecision, it must be taken advantage of at once. And I would concur with that paragraph there because uh, in my work life I was a uh, computer engineer, not very successful, and um, I had very little in the way of training in, in any, at any time, which is, uh, you know, quite unbelievable really when you think of the complexity of technology now. And uh, so I was always out to my depth and I, I didn't actually uh, have the luck to work for a company that uh, had good training. Um, they were small uh, outfits and they didn't want to pay for training of any sort whatsoever. So I had to pick up what I could. And um, so, you know, I must say that on the whole, there was very little help. And, um, you know, there was help, but you had to ask for it. And uh, it wasn't forthcoming. There wasn't, uh, you know, how to do it sheets particularly. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of knowledge spread um, from my colleagues. And they, I think they did this business of trying to make themselves look cleverer um, by, you know, not um, passing information about. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't recommend getting involved with computers or technology, really. Um, I wouldn't involve, I wouldn't, uh, I, I just wouldn't uh, recommend, um, you know, computers as a, as a job. Um, in fact, I think there's very few jobs now that I would recommend, really. Um, so, yeah, doubly, doubly important that you should remain single because those hard-earned uh, coins that you earn must be used for your own benefit. Yet man is only a tiny cog in a gigantic business machine. He himself being in effect exploited at every turn. When he derives, sorry, when he drives others, he drives himself most of all. His orders are really orders from above, passed on to him. If the men at the top occasionally take time to praise him, it is not in order to make him happy. Um, 
throat. It is only to spur him on, to stimulate him to greater effort, for man who was brought up to be proud and honourable every working day is merely an endless series of humiliations. An endless series of humiliations. That is the workplace, I, I, I think that is, 100%. Um, so you've got to uh, make sure you minimise the humiliations by um, making sure that you uh, only work for your own benefit. He shows enthusiasm for products he finds useless. He laughs at jokes he finds tasteless. He expresses opinions which are not his own. Not for a moment is he allowed to forget that the nearest oversight might mean demotion, that one slip of the tongue may spell the end of his career. Yet woman, who is the prime cause of all these struggles, and under whose very eyes these fights take place, just stands aside and watches. Going to work means to her flirting and dates, teasing and banter, with the odd bit of labour done for the sake of appearances. Work for which, as a rule, she has no responsibility. She knows that she is only marking time, and even if she does have to go on working for one reason or another, at least she has had years of pleasant dreams. She watches men's battles from a safe distance, occasionally applauding one of the contestants, encouraging or, encouraging or scolding, and while she makes their coffee, opens their mail or listens to the telephone conversations. She is cold-bloodedly taking her pick. The moment she has found Mr. Wright, she retires gracefully, leaving the field open to her successors. The same applies to university education. American colleges admit more and more women, but the percentage who actually complete their courses is less than before the Second World War. They sit happily in lectures, designing their spring wardrobe and between classes flirt with the boys, and rather more than flirt, I think, there, Esther with their scarlet nails carefully protected by transparent rubber gloves. They play around with corpses in the dissecting rooms, while their male colleagues realise their whole future is at stake. If a woman leaves the university with an engagement ring on her finger, she has earned her degree. Man, man has hardly begun when he obtains his diploma. Degrees are, after all, easy to come by. You only have to memorise 
how many examiners can tell the difference between real knowledge and bluff? Man, however, has to understand his subject as well. His later success will depend on whether his knowledge is well founded. His later prestige will be built on this, and often other people's lives are dependent on it. None of these battles exist for women. If she breaks off her studies and marries a university lecturer, she has achieved the same level as he has without exerting herself. As the wife of a factory owner, she is treated with greater respect than he is, and not as somebody who at best would be employable on the assembly line in the same factory. As a wife, she always has the same standard of living and social prestige and has to do nothing to maintain them as he does. For this reason, the quickest way to succeed is always to marry a successful man. She does not win him by her industry, ambition or perseverance, but simply through an attractive appearance. We have already seen what demands the well-trained man makes on woman's appearance. The best women trainers, without the least effort, catch the most successful fighters amongst men. The so-called beautiful women are usually those who had an easy life from their childhood days and therefore have less reason than others to de develop their intellectual gifts. Intelligence is developed only through competition. It follows as a logical consequence that every successful man usually have abysmally stupid wives, unless of course one considers woman's skill at transforming herself into bait for a man a feat of intelligence. And that, I think, uh, touches on the uh, hot, crazy matrix. I don't know if you might have heard of that one. It's, uh, you know, the, the graph, um, um, hot one axis, crazy another axis, and draw a line at 45 degrees from north up. Um, so as the hotness goes up, the craziness goes up, um, and the reason is uh, being a bit touched on here that uh, the prettier she is, the hotter she is, the less she's had to actually um, have any, um, you know, difficulty in her life, and the more she's likely to be spoiled very much, um, you know, long nails, long hair, you know, that type of thing where um, because she doesn't do any work or anything useful, she can have long, long hair right down to her waist, uh, long nails and this type of thing, um, heavily makeup, uh, and um, so uh, the one thing I have noticed is that the hips um, are as well as the breasts, of course, 
But I don't think every woman has uh, large breasts or what have you. Um, but I think hips are one of those things that all women can display, and display they do. They make a very, very urgent and important, um, you know, method of displaying the hips to um, get the looks, uh, to get the admiring glances. Um, and the hips seem to be a, a uh, you know, primordial, primordial um, way of attracting um, the opposite sex. And uh, there's a saying I've heard, if it's got big hips, sorry, if it's got big tits or big hips, don't trust it. Um, because, you know, uh, big, big tits and big hips are the, one, the two, thing, two things that are going to attract males. So there's likelihood she'll have had several males and uh, many males. And um, so... Um, you know, she'll be adept at uh, uh, skullduggery and um, half-truths and this sort of thing. Okay. Next page. It has almost become commonplace that a really successful man, be he a company director, financier, shipping magnet, or orchestra conductor, will, when he reaches the zenith of his career, marry a beautiful model, usually his second or third wife. Men who have inherited money often take such a supergirl as their first wife, although she will be exchanged over the years for another. Yet as a rule, models are women of little education, who have not even finished school, and who have nothing to do until they marry but look beautiful and pose becomingly in front of a camera, and uh, that's the uh, Lilith's mirror, <laughs> um, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, that type of thing, that's the, uh, the smartphone. Um, really, um, is like uh, Lil Lilith's mirror, um, and uh, you know I cannot uh, overemphasize the. Uh, if you really do want to um, brush up on your knowledge of women, um, you must listen to Coach Greg Adams, which you, who I've mentioned before. Um, He's on YouTube at the moment, um, until he probably gets banned, but um, he really does shoot from the hip. He really does say how it is. And uh, I've learned so much from him, and uh, he has uh, built up such a uh, loyal following, um, and helped thousands and thousands of men by now, I would imagine. But they are beautiful, and that makes them potentially rich. Gosh, that's that's a hell of a sentence. 
As soon as a woman has caught her man, she gives up her career for love. In the commas. Or at least, that is what she will tell him. And at the moment, I'm, I'm currently um, wrestling with the fact, uh, you know, whether love actually really exists or not, um, or whether it's a construct that females have uh, developed to um, train men uh, to uh, be very obedient and uh, um, be very loyal. After all, he could hardly be flattered by the thought that she had been saved in the nick of time from having to sweat her way through examinations. He would much rather get drunk on the idea of the love that knows no compromise. This woman pretends to feel for him. Ouch. Let me read that again. He would much rather get drunk on the idea of the love that knows no compromise. This woman pretends to feel for him. Who knows? He thinks she might have become a famous surgeon. Surgeon celebrated prima ballerina, brilliant journalist. And she has given it all up for him. He would never believe that she preferred to be the wife of a famous surgeon, to have his income and prestige without having either the work or the responsibility. Therefore, he resolves to make her life at his side as comfortable as possible to compensate for her great sacrifice. A small percentage, 10 to 20 percent, of women students in Western industrial countries do, however, obtain their degrees before they are married. Despite <coughs> occasional exceptions, they are, as a rule, I've highlighted this, less attractive and have failed to catch a suitable provider while still in education. But then this degree will automatically raise their market value. For there are certain types of men who feel bolstered if their wives have a degree. So the less attractive have failed to catch a suitable provider while still in education. Um, and I think that uh, the, the problem is here that in university the, these uh, females are pretty young and so that all they're doing is trying to catch the most masculine male and that's the, the cock carousel um, and they're so stupid that they leave it far too long to meet and um, settle with a man and end up uh, 
30 or something with cats and box wine <laughs> if you listen to Cage Greg I don't know he'll talk about that it is clear evidence of his own cleverness if such a highly educated woman is interested in him if by chance this female mastermind happens to be sexy he will be beside himself with joy but not for long even women doctors women sociologists and women lawyers sacrifice their careers for their men or at least set them aside they withdraw into suburban villas, have children, then plant flower beds and fill their homes with the usual trash. Within a few years, these new entertainments obliterate the small amount of expert knowledge, learned by rote, of course, and they become exactly like their female neighbours. So, again, Esther Villar gives us the cold, hard, hard truth. And, um, you know, so how vital it is to get this information across to younger men. Um, and uh, to uh, not be um, taken in by the female. I think that there are many, uh, well, there's, I've been thinking about this, there's some, main, there's some main things why men are such a disadvantage, really. And from birth, I'm going to go from birth, okay, so from birth, uh, the male child is dependent on the mother, and so he looks to a female for everything, um, so he, uh, from from birth, he's at a disadvantage because the female is the uh, the mother and uh, the carer. So he trusts her in everything implicitly. Okay, so that's number one. Um, the second thing is that um, in school uh, and in society, he will be trained to. Um, First of all, find the female attractive, um, you know, with, with um, whatever it might be. You know, he will be trained to find a female attractive, uh, you know, going to motherly clues, cues like uh, large breasts and this type of thing. Um, so there's that as well, the, the societal training. Um, and um, that's the second point. Now the third point, I think, is the the idea that you must be masculine and you must be strong, you must be virile, and you must be honest and trustworthy. So I think, you know, um, those things that serve the female best, basically, you've got to remember. Um, and uh, so, I'm not saying it's not good to be masculine, of course it is. Um, 
and um, to be trustworthy, of course, it is. Um, the problem, I think, is if you um, become uh, attached to a girl or female, you have a relationship, because of your um, trustworthiness and honesty and masculinity, um, you find it very difficult then to, um, you know, want to cheat. I think obviously men do, but I think it goes against the grain, actually, because men are taught to be, you know, honest and um, upstanding men on the whole. So um, you can't be honest and upstanding if you're not going to be, uh, you know, if you're going to sort of, um, you know, be able to walk away easily from a relationship. Um, so, you know, you, you can have, um, be in a relationship and find it very difficult to walk away. Very difficult to walk away. And, you know, you can put up with all sorts of terrible things because of the, you know, you must do the right thing as a man has been drummed into you um, from birth, really. And um, men are sort of uh, tasked with, you know, their brains are tasked with having big problems to solve and to build things. So he naturally wants to build things and have problems to solve. Um, so, you know, um, once he's gone down the road of building relationship, um, you know, buying a house and things, it's very, very difficult then to say, well, look, I'll tell you what, I want to walk away from this. I would say probably impossible to do. Um, so, you know, it's very important that, uh, as you, if you listen to Coach Greg, he'll say, no long-term relationships, no cohabitation. Um, I mean, cohabitation is tantamount to marriage, really, because once she's living under the same roof, she'll be, then she'll be, you know, taking the, taking liberties straight away, almost. Um, so, vitally important not to allow a female to um, sleep in the same, um, under the same roof, because straight away she will start to, um, you know, put, bring her things in and uh, start taking ownership of uh, the male's um, property. Um, so, you know, having a, having a relationship um, I recommend to you guys listening to this to have very many male friends and I'm not talking about homosexuals, I'm not talking about that, I'm not talking about, um, you know, gay, um, I'm talking about having buddies that are good buddies, good guys and, um, you know, maybe having the odd fling, um, I would only only go as far as to say a fling, um, and tell her straight up that's what you want. I think girls will rec respect you if you tell 
up front that you just want a one night stand or you know that's i think she will they'll go for that they'll go for that but they must be told up front um protect yourself at all times um you know protect yourself with uh you know contraception uh, if you want to go down that road it's quite risky um you can be have false allegations and uh you could catch an STD and this type of thing. Um, so, you know, probably a safer option would be to get one of these uh, sex dolls that are coming out now, which, um, you know, I think you could um, get a lot of your um, urges out into one of these um, sex dolls or, you know, uh, I've even seen a, a torso, which is it has all the right bits and bobs in the torso, you know. And really and truly, um, you know, you could have that. You could have um, friendships. You can have, you can be traveling. You could be building your own empire. You could be um, having some flings, perhaps a push. Um, but uh, all the time building yourself, all the time building yourself, all the time building your own um, world, building up your own um, wealth and your own abilities, um, and um, you know, uh, you know, by definition, you will be attracting females by your uh, building up yourself. So they will start to choose you at that point. Um, so then you'll be in a position to um, have possibly, you know, I think that the, the, the harem is a thing of the future where um, men build them up sufficiently, build themselves up sufficiently to actually have a harem. But I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> that's something that I would do or many people would do but it, you know that's what happens when you start becoming great um, and enjoying your life I mean at the end of the day it's got to be um, about you know having fun having enjoyment having leisure time um, you know traveling um, having luxuries to enjoy for yourself um, having some good buddies to um, hang out with, maybe having beers and, um, you know, and that type of thing. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of guys get very, very depressed with the MGTOW philosophy. And they get very sort of hung up on, oh, you know, I, I must have, I can't do without a female, but, um, you know, I think uh, it's possible that you could build yourself up into something more than you would if you'd had females. If you could build yourself up into something uh, more and you could enjoy yourself more and you could enjoy your time on this earth which is finite, very finite indeed. Um, I can tell you that now. Um, being 58 and the, the years have just whistled by.
whistled by. And um, also, you know, as you get to these years, 50s, 60, you will start having health problems, no doubt. So it's not all, um, you know, oh, I can live till I'm 80. Well, that's not quite the truth. You may be able to live to your 80 or 90, but you will maybe have some already severe health problems by the time you are 50 or 60, as I have. And so you, then your choices are very limited um, because, uh, you know, you've put all your eggs into one basket and it's very difficult to uh, actually make uh, a move out. So I'll sign off there and I hope you enjoyed these ramblings <laughs> and this reading of this chapter. And I shall carry on with the next chapter uh, in the next episode. I hope you look forward to that one. Um, that's called The um, Emancipated Female. That's the next chapter. So I'll say goodbye for now from the van on a very wintry February afternoon. Uh, very uh, little light really during the day now. Um, it's getting dark now. It's uh, only sort of uh, about three or four, three o'clock. Um, so yeah, I'll see you next in the next chapter. Bye for now.